Hey, welcome to another weekly episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks, where we talk everything design, business, and humor related. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. I am joined this week with Emily. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with her. We connected on Twitter like I do with many of my other guests. She is a self-proclaimed no-code geek, but she, in her day job, is the head of growth, partnerships, and community for VoiceFlow, a no-code tool that we're going to chat about a little bit. She also has a few other things up her sleeve, such as the founder of Growth Toronto, the largest community of growth practitioners in Toronto. So I am so excited to chat with her and can't wait to hear her story. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great. So I always like to start with a little bit of a background and then just ask you, how would you describe Emily? Who is Emily? Yeah, so I guess a little bit about me. Uh, I'm Emily. Uh, I like to think of myself as someone who likes to constantly learn as much as as much as I can. And I think that's really what made me fall in love with no code, with growth experimentation, and even just with starting my own things on the side. Um, I think you kind of hit it on the nail. I, I definitely don't consider myself a no code expert because I've seen some people that literally wow me all the time on YouTube. Um, but I do spend a ton of my time trying to teach other people who are new into no code that are new into perhaps even the tech world to gain a little bit of confidence using these codes and our using these products. And uh, I think that's what really drew me to even becoming the head of growth myself at a no code, low code product like VoiceFlow. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Talk to us a little bit how you found no code. I always think that's such an interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) I think like a lot of people, um, they get introduced either via a problem, a friend or unintentionally. Um, and I think for me personally, I got introduced to it as someone who had always been really enamored by design and by what was capable of, especially when digital designs were to take off. I loved graphic design, loved doing mock-ups, prototypes, but they didn't breathe on their own. And there's something that's so special about taking that from a static design into something that people can interact with. And I think my, my first introduction to no code truly was probably like Squarespace or Wix or early WordPress plugins and very quickly kind of exploded from there realizing other automation tools like Zapier, Integramat, um, and especially now Webflow, which has pretty much like dominated all of my self-projects as well Mm -hmm. as VoiceFlow's website as well. Love it. Yeah, that's... uh... Uh, similar to a lot of other stories we've heard, right? There's this problem that you need solved and (laughs) you finally find a tool that doesn't need a developer to solve it for you. It's pretty amazing what it can do, the the power that these no-code tools have. I think it's, your background is so interesting. So you touched on it just briefly there, but let's talk a little bit about like, how did you come to be at VoiceFlow? And, you know, you have kind of this growth practitioner side hustle, what what makes up Emily? <laughs> yeah, I think I think in short, uh, Emily doesn't like being bored. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think really what what brought me to where I was uh, or where I am now was my my early introduction into tech and realizing that 
there's this whole other side of business that's so on the brink of just being, well, basically whatever your imagination uh, can possibly come up with. And I think I really fell in love with SaaS for that reason, where even though there, it's so fulfilling to have that actual physical product, being able to scale something without the confines of proximity or physical bounds or even just what a website can tell you it can do uh, right off the get-go, I think was really, really exciting for me. And I became very much so a tinkerer myself. Um, and that really fell into play when I joined a company called Tilt, which mm-hmm. uh, at the time um, was a super easy way to send requests and split payments between friends. So basically like Venmo, but also uh, very, very great for groups. Um, mm-hmm. And I was super fortunate that that small team that I joined exploded um, over the course <laughs> of me being there. So being in growth was an absolute landslide of opportunities and things to keep up with. And, and it really sparked this idea of being scrappy, being fast and figuring out what you can do um, with little to no resources. And that really spread into me starting growth TO and making sure that I connect and learn with other people in the community that we level up with each other and that we find this commonality. Um, and that led even further into when I met Brayden, the now CEO of VoiceFlow who had that same curiosity, had that same drive, wanted to do more and was building a team to help him do that. Uh, And it's really exciting and rewarding to build a tool uh, in a space that I strongly believe inspired me and many other people to get involved in different parts of business or different parts of strategy. And I hope to do the same with voice. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to touch on voice flow um, because I think voice is the future, right? (laughs) I mean, it has been. We've been seeing this slowly with, I'm not going to say their names, but you know, the the assistive devices that we have already. (laughs) I don't want to turn on anybody's. No, I I I have like three of them on my desk. So (laughs) I made that mistake one time and that that was enough for me. Um, Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about VoiceFlow and what they do, because they are relatively new to me. I'm not sure how long they've been in the space. So I'd love to hear more about VoiceFlow. Absolutely. So VoiceFlow has one of those like comes from maker turn to empower maker tool Mm -hmm. stories where we actually started off as a popular Alexa scale ourselves. Oh, okay. No, we're good. She did not. <laughs> um, and, um, we quickly realized that um, there was this opportunity to just make that building process and make it easier for people to innovate in this space. And um, at the time it was uh, the four founders sitting in a super small shared office, building mm-hmm. interactive children's stories for, uh, for Amazon, there we go. I'll make it a little bit easier that way. I love it. And it it soon exploded into what has now become VoiceFlow. And it's really only been around in its form um, that we see it today, where we make it easy for anyone to build uh, Alexa or Google skills with little to no code um, for the past year and a half. Okay. Even when I first joined, it was that super early stage, um, early innovators, types of people that are in there, the tinkerers that helped to figure out and pave that. And that's exploded from like a small group of uh, 5,000 people that were building with us at the beginning to now we have over 60,000 around the globe. So it's just been explosive to see what people are even thinking of or pushing the boundaries now of this brand new interface. Um, And it's really exciting to see unfold. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's so interesting, all the different avenues you can take with voice and how you integrate that into your business and your customer base. I think it's really going to explode over the next 10 years. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> that we have a no-code tool in this space and are, are already kind of laying the foundation. That's amazing. What's maybe one of the most interesting use cases you've come across so far? Um, I'll, I'll give you one example of a business, one example of uh, just someone who's come in and discovered the platform themselves. I think that um, with with businesses, you're seeing people and designers in particular really feeling empowered, being able to actually pitch ideas, prototype that, shoot that out and actually have it code ready, which I think is is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And we are in this interesting space where for those of you who've worked in larger companies, you know, the beautiful art of procurement and <laughs> switching from a tool to another tool. Because we are in a newer space, we have that room to play. And it's a little bit easier to come in uh, at the get-go and introduce a new way of interacting with customers, um, whether that's through education, whether it's through training. Um, we've seen uh, the team at KQED do a brilliant um, do a brilliant skill that encompass that encompass um, one of the theories in one of their pieces about just like human conversation and psychology. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways that people can do it where it's a standalone experience where it complements something or whether it just introduces something entirely new. Um, but on the flip side, there's also all of these individual creators, designers, developers, mm-hmm. or the, those indie makers that really kind of breathe the life into what's possible. And I've seen everything from people who've gone from having no experience to now being full-time freelancers for VUI, so voice interfaces, yeah. or even... I think one that stands out to me forever was there, there's a dad in, I believe in Ohio, who created a skill to help his new son, well, help his son um, navigate his, uh, his new, um, his newfound life with diabetes, which I thought was, oh, was wow. really beautiful, actually, where yeah. the kid was a little nervous. He didn't want to keep asking people what he could do, what he could eat, what were his changes. And he was super comfortable with uh, the device in his room. So his dad put together basically his own personal assistant. And I love stories like that, where uh, you just create this whole new experience for people um, that just wasn't otherwise possible. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I can think of so many use cases in the medical field in general, um, you know, for patient education, that it's just a quick one off if you have a basic question Oh my gosh, my brain just goes, <laughs> goes and goes. The designer in me is like, oh, wait, <laughs> we could talk for hours about this. Yeah, it, it's just phenomenal. I think really over the next few years, we're going to see this explode and it's just the next thing. It's very, very exciting. I, I can't wait to see what happens with voice and all of the cool stuff that's going to come about. Awesome. So that's your day job. But you you mentioned earlier that you tinker and you like Webflow and you have a bit of a design background. So what are you doing to fill the extra hours of your day? I mean, quarantine has been a blessing and a curse. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I think actually, um, well, I, I spend a lot of my time um, advising startups, especially early stage startups. Um, I, I also teach uh, I also teach Grow Class, which is a, a growth course that's based out of Toronto. And I teach the no-code section and I teach about uh, product growth. So I'm very, very bent on making more people aware of this and uh, have more people have these types of tools in their tool belt sooner. Um, 
But in terms of creative projects, uh, it's everything from over quarantine. I started a sticker business for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. A sticker <laughs> business this is amazing. What kind of stickers do you make? Um, there, well, I, I guess my, my previous bestseller up until recently was, uh, I, I made like little baby Yodas holding boat signs. Um, oh, I and, love it. So it's like little, little things like that, that are a little bit fun. And I, I had a, a series that was heavily inspired by, um, the, this is fine dog. Um, that was all about 2020 themes. Yeah. So as you can imagine, I had no shortage of them. Uh, right. So yeah, there's a load of those. And then even um, uh, I'm based in San Francisco and I spend a lot of my time looking out uh, our stereotypical bay windows since uh -huh. quarantine. And, um, <laughs> there's a little flower cart that's actually that parks it right in front of my house once a week. And it's like the cutest thing I've ever seen. And the, the community comes out and they buy flowers from her. And she's just like a lovely human being. It's called Her Urban Herbs if you're in the Bay oh. Area. And so that was one of the first times I actually even drew her little cart and her flower set up and actually created stickers for her and her business. So those oh, have wow. just kind of been like fun side projects uh, that I did not think there was a huge appetite for, but stickers, they're, they're booming. It's a thing. Everybody loves a sticker. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm, I'm a sticker fanatic. I have so many stickers. <laughs> I think this is great. <laughs> And the This Is Fine Dog is like the mascot for 2020. So I think that's phenomenal that you've capitalized on <laughs> stickers oh, will, incorporating that. I will definitely send you a pack after this. <laughs> oh, awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so you've been doing sticker business <laughs> and yeah. doing like that. What else are you are you up to? Yeah, I think like on, on more of like a serious note as well, like I... Um, actually this was a fun no code project that, that really impacted, um, my, my alma mater where I, I teamed up with one of my old classmates. Um, when we saw an Instagram, uh, an Instagram account pop up that was run by a bunch of students who were having a really hard time fitting in with the business school that we went to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like page after page of just BIPOC or LGBTQ students feeling like they couldn't connect with what was going on. And. Um, that, that hurts as like someone who is a, a BIPOC leader and someone who definitely identifies with that school. And so him and I actually put together, um, a BIPOC student mentorship network, uh, and we launched that entirely using Airtable and, uh, Airtable and Webflows. So, um, really being able to make it a better way for students to connect with people that, um, that match with what their interests are, not just what the school thinks is interesting yes. to them. Um, and like that, that was really brilliant. And yeah, so when, when we launched the side project using uh, Airtable and Webflow, it was really exciting to kind of get that out in the hands of both the students as well as um, working with the school to be able to roll that out. And I think one of the things that was really exciting about it is we were able to get it up so fast. And I think that's what made it impactful. Yeah. Um, so I think like those types of projects are always something that uh, I keep my mind on and making sure and especially more recently focusing on how no code can really create these scalable applications that you can pass on to people. I think it's yeah. become even more interesting as I get deeper and deeper uh, into the wormhole of no code. 
I think that that is wonderful that you were able to build that so quickly. And it sounds like it's scalable to other institutions, right? So you could use it in other universities or even your grade school level to really uh, broaden the horizons and open the, the discussion. Yeah. And I think like that, that to me is why I personally think no code and, and growth in particular go so hand in hand. We're mm-hmm. like that's the definition of just working on something to get it up and going to, to get that first test out and then realizing how you can build that as an actual system. And it's incredible that there's platforms out there that really empower people to do that so fast. It's amazing. That's just so powerful. I think that's, it's really phenomenal and a testament to not just, you know, the tools, but the community behind it. I mean, the fact that you were able to partner up with somebody very quickly and, you know, um, get that out into the world is pretty amazing. I know I saw a lot of, um, those kinds of efforts around PPE when COVID first hit and mm-hmm. then around restaurants. And, you know, I've had a couple of other people on who have talked about that same kind of the no code community coming together and saying, Hey, here's a need and we can fill it if we just all jump in and work on it together. And yeah, the launch of some really amazing products, even in local small towns, you know, some of these online tools and databases, even if it's just an, an Airtable database, right? <laughs> Something so simple, but, you know, that's, oh, hey, these companies are still hiring. It's been pretty phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the templates and that that's definitely like a really good example of that. Like I've seen so many small businesses partner up with people and like Twitter is such a, that that's one positive area of Twitter, at least that I've seen <laughs> um, more recently. Yeah. I talk about the power of Twitter all the time. You know, you just have to curate your bubble. But I feel like if you're in no code and you're not part of our little no code Twitter community, we'll take you under our wing. Really, we're, we're a safe space. <laughs> Come on in. Pretty amazing. The people that I've met and uh, the, the relationships I've watched form and formed myself in, in the little Twitter bubble that is no code. <laughs> oh, it always makes me laugh. Well, so you touched a little bit on COVID, um, and I assume that you are working from home, like a lot of other people. <laughs> How has COVID kind of impacted your work at VoiceFlow? Did you see any change at all? I think what what's interesting is uh, in this use case, we had already started bringing on more global members, trying to invest heavily in how can we make the remote experience better? Uh, we by no means were experts when the time uh, came for the whole company to do that. Um, but it also timed up really nicely with, um, actually in early March, I moved from our headquarters in Toronto out to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So um, awful time to move, but great time mm-hmm. to build remote empathy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that the, the work itself really kind of actually took more of a human side, I think after we we moved remote. I think at the beginning, we got over that hump of like early stage, grind startup. Everyone is almost always kind of in the office. We're really close. We're working really hard together. But it was so integrated with our life and our routine that there wasn't as much time to do those other things or where people can be more flexible. Um, and ultimately also, I think that we've become so much more focused on let's get past the illusion of what was important physically being close to each other and instead figure out how can we spend time getting to know each other? How can we create space for social activities, be productive and create hours that make more sense for our team? 
And especially now that we're all global, it, it's actually been really, really great to see. And I think has been a lot more positive, especially for our, our members that were previously overseas. Yeah, I I love that. I think it's it's really interesting. I talk with everyone about the impact that kind of COVID has had either on them as a business owner or, you know, as an employee of a business. And it's overwhelmingly positive. And for the reasons you just touched upon, right, we connected more as human beings instead of just as coworkers, because we have this shared suffering that we're all going through. And we're more aware of, oh, yeah, you have an entire family at home with you or, you know, unfortunately, maybe you don't and you're alone. And so how can we be sure that you're getting the human interaction you need and all of these different things that kind of were glossed over or forgotten when we were in the office because <laughs> you had your like office hat on or office persona on for some people. So I think that's really wonderful that the the company has embraced it and sounds like it's brought all of you a little bit closer as well. So that's always nice. Let's talk a little bit about you know, you, you've had kind of these side projects during COVID and it sounds like you are a little bit of an entrepreneur yourself as a lot of folks are. So what would be your advice if, you know, you've launched the sticker business? Well, maybe it's a business, maybe it isn't. You can tell us, but what <laughs> advice do you have for somebody who's looking to kind of monetize one of their passion projects and how might they go about that? I think that actually like I, now more than ever, it, it's a better time to think about those things. I think there's so many opportunities and integrations and wonderful examples um, that you can really jump on. Um, the the sticker business is definitely a whim for me. <laughs> um, I think definitely like Growth TO was a much bigger undertaking and building that community and running those events was, was definitely a much bigger commitment. But that doesn't mean that every passion project that you have, every idea needs to be fully thought out, needs to be at that stage. I think that especially now, if you are one of those people that want to get creative, try to figure out how to monetize, like take a look at the examples on Gumroad, on what people are launching independently on product hunt. Um, go on Indie Makers and talk with people and see if you can connect and potentially build something together. Um, and even myself, like I'm always thinking about ways that I can basically make like my iPad ROI positive. So right. <laughs> try to make small, um, small tools like that or small goals like that. Um, your initial goal. Um, yeah. And even with the sticker business, that was our goal. It was let's just pay off this random sticker machine that we bought on a whim. <laughs> and it's just kind of exploded from there. That's awesome. I, that's such great advice. I think uh, one of the main things most of my guests talk about and you hit on as well is you have to talk to people. You have to get out of your, your, your own way. A, a lot of us are very scared and nervous to, you know, put our ideas out there, put ourselves out there, but you're never going to see it come to fruition if you don't step your foot into the water and you don't have to dive in head first. But like you said, just start making connections and build a community and reach out to people. I think uh, community is one of the underrated tools to a lot of folks who are scared. <laughs> if they if they put themselves out there, I think the community really is helpful. And you touched on that with the the growth Toronto. So I'm interested in how you you uh, built that community, and you know, was it the purpose to become a community, or was the purpose really just to connect with a few folks, and it it blossomed out of that? Yeah, I think that really the, I, I wish that I could say that I sat down one day and was like, I am going to build 
this massive community and it's going to be this brilliant way of skill sharing. But really <laughs> what it was, was more of a need where I had spent a decent amount of time out in the Bay and having been located in Toronto, um, I, I miss that connection that you can make that instant question or curiosity and being able to connect with someone over a coffee, like within an hour. Right. <laughs> and I wanted to keep learning. Um, and at the time I was at a startup where I was the only one working on the problems, um, that were important for me in terms of like marketing, in terms of growth. And I wanted that soundboard. I, I missed that conversation that you would get from a team. And so I, went out a small list of like 20 and grabbed a coffee with all 20 of them. and was like, Hey, let's chat. Maybe yeah. you'll say no to this. Maybe you won't. And it kind of ballooned into this, like this sense where all of us were feeling that same way. And it next thing, you know, they're like, you should talk to this person. You should talk to this person. Then we had a group of 200 oh my gosh. <laughs> and it just kind of kept ballooning from there. And Sure enough, I ended up meeting my now uh, co-organizer, Jenna Kellner, who's the head of growth at uh, RBC Ventures. Um, and she was like, I want to help you take this to the next level. And she was like that extra push that I needed in order yeah. to even have my micro community, if you think about it, to really take this idea to that next level. That's awesome. So how many members strong are you now? Uh, we're sitting just under 3,000. Um, which is super exciting. Um, it's people from everyone from like founders and execs down to people who are managers looking to figure out how to level up and people who are curious and how to build or build their career into growth. And I think it's really exciting to help establish what that path looks like and make that easier for those that don't have access to that immediately at work. Yeah, I think that's amazing. It's really just another prime example of finding your community will really just help you thrive. <laughs> you know, as you touched on, 20 people all felt the exact same way. And pretty soon that just becomes exponential. Are there any talks about bringing it here to the States now that you've relocated? Or is this strictly a Toronto-based group? I mean, I, as a dual citizen, <laughs> I, I always want to figure out ways that we can bridge that gap. And I think it, originally, if you had asked this question to me a year ago, uh, I would probably have said like, no, I want to, I want to double down. I want to make sure that Toronto really feels that, that we're really building something special. But I think that it wouldn't be a true community unless that there are other ways that you can get people involved. And perhaps the initial way that we kicked off the community was location-based. But if there's one thing that we've learned over the last little bit is that there are so many things that could be unlocked when you forget about borders. Um, and mm. really being able to think about maybe not necessarily doing it to the same degree as we've done it in Toronto, unless I find a co-find, unless I find a co-organizer out here. So DM me if you're interested. <laughs> but um, I think maybe creating a better bridge there so that people feel as though that they can connect with that, that we have leaders from both sides really making an impact. Yeah, I think that's amazing. A great point, again, that you touched upon earlier, really, you know, connecting us globally um, and bridging that border is really important. I think that is phenomenal idea. <laughs> you should go for it. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you want to help her, you definitely her because we need that here. <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's just so amazing. I love it. Are there any other 
tips that you have if somebody is looking to start a community or interested in growth? I think the the best piece of advice I can ever give with both of those is is start and like start small. Um, I, I think that it's so easy to get caught up in these like grandiose case studies or large communities of everyone knows like the whole Airbnb story of explosive growth or how Dropbox skyrocketed with their referral program. Those, those are all the, the table stakes, but boil it down into those smaller goals. If it's, for instance, with growth and you want to figure out what are those early projects, like I mentioned, like start super small, like think about like, oh, like how can I pay my rent with this? Or like, how can I, maybe in San Francisco, a little bit harder, um, but <laughs> a large um, bar. <laughs> in, in some ways, just make those into smaller things or like, um, and in terms of community, I would always say, start with thinking about it more like filling a room for a party on like, who are the first 10 people that you think will be the persona of that party? start talking with them, bring them in and help them invite, help them start that conversation and really do in the same way that I would say growth CEO grew, talk with them, engage with them, make them feel like they're part of it and see as though who else they want to invite in. And you'll slowly start to realize what that community takes on in itself and really create a better space for them to have that conversation. Uh, I think boiling it down to that is always the best way to start. Yeah, that's the best advice I think I've ever heard for community growth. I've never, ever thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense. (laughs) It's really great advice. Amazing. I love it. So what does the future hold for you? Oh my, um, beyond, beyond my, my budding sticker business, um, I, ultimately what I would really like to keep doing is like, I want to keep making it easier for people to to learn more, to do more, whether that's through building more with VoiceFlow, whether that's through creating more resources for people to be able to jump on um, and learn some of the skills that uh, I, I believe helped me. And I can only speak to my own background. Um, and I think as well, what I would really like to see as, um, at least for me, as um we go back ideally into the normal world soon is finding more ways to, to take the positivity um, or some of the positives that have come out of quarantine and really embed that truly into my future team out here and uh, whatever new projects I take on. How can uh, folks get in touch with you if they're interested in being your co-founder? <laughs> um, well, we talked about the power of Twitter. So I, I would definitely say, uh, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at, at Emily Lonetto, and that's L-O-N-E-T-T-O. Uh, my DMs are open. <laughs> and uh, beyond that as well, um, if you're curious to see what community we're building, uh, whether it be at GrowthTO or um, at VoiceFlow, you can find GrowthTO at GrowthToronto.com or VoiceFlow's community on Facebook. So hopefully I will talk with all of you soon. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes so that folks can get in touch with you. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a great discussion and you just shared such amazing wisdom. Thanks for for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. 
wraps up this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. I really appreciate all of your feedback. If you want to follow along with me in between the show and hear what I'm up to and what guests are coming on next, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Nosocks. And all of the other information to help support the show, reach out to me if you need any no-code help, business advice, or just want to chat, you can get me at my website at sarahnosocks.com. Check out the podcast page, talkswithsarahnosocks.webflow.io, and let me know who I should be chatting with. Until next time, bye.